Welcome to the Church Planter Talks podcast, a resource made for church planters by church planters. Everything from practical helps to philosophical discussion, the Church Planter Talks podcast starts right now. Hello, I'm your host, Corey Estep, and joining me as always, Richard Rossiter and Preston Hoyseth. It seems to be that the most common model of church planting here in the United States is that a man and his family move somewhere, get a church started, and then they stay there long term as the pastor. And then you have foreign missionaries that on the foreign mission field usually get a work going, and then soon after, they hand it off to a uh, local pastor there, and then they go somewhere else and start another work. Well, our guest today is kind of a unique history of church planting in that he started a church plant and then he moved to another church plant. And it's not greatly uncommon, but our guest today is Brother Parrish Plumley, and he truly has a heart of a church planter. He's currently the pastor of Victory Baptist Church in Kennewick, Washington. He has been used by the Lord to start multiple churches in the Northwest. Brother Plumley, welcome to the podcast. You bet. Glad to be here. Well, tell us a little bit about where you are right now uh, in Kennewick and how you came to be there. We'll talk a little bit about the earlier churches that you helped start uh, later on, but tell us about Kennewick. Sure. Well, I came here about six years ago and uh, was sent out of Goldendale Bible Baptist Church, the church that I had uh, been at for 11 years and um, came here, rented a building. Uh, raised enough support to take care of the rent of the building and uh, we were able to get started we started with uh, let's see here about 11 folks that uh, God brought you know brought to us before we had our opening service and uh, now we've run at about 120 in our membership uh-huh. we probably average 85 to 90 on Sunday probably 60 65 70 on wednesday and sunday nights and uh, then we started our spanish ministry with brother jose ramos probably Mm -hmm. a couple years after i was here and um, they're in a little building that we own and they're running about 70 80 as well so god's really blessed it it's awesome that is so cool i i always love talking with church planters and it's good to see you again brother plumley and chat with you here today um tell 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 me how kind of your story and how you got involved in church planting was there a cer- certain moment or uh thing that you can point back to that this is this is how the lord made it clear that this was what i was meant to do with my life well i'm uh my wife and i both are first generation christians we were 21 years old when god got a hold of our hearts and about a year after being in church, I, I knew God was calling me to the ministry. Um, I really I started I started uh, preaching in uh, in juvenile detention and uh, that kind of you know my old buddies basically, and um, and then I surrendered to be a missionary. I wanted to go to the mission field. That's really what when God really started. Uh, burden in my heart that's what I thought I would do is go to the mission field and then um, you know but it just you know as I was being trained by my pastors um, 
I just really began to see the Northwest as a very tough mission field mm -hmm. that, I mean, a lot of churches here, well, a lot of church planters come and they stay a year or two, they leave. Yeah. Uh, even some stay for a good portion of their life. And really when they, I mean, there's nothing there. At, you know, the churches don't survive. And so, man, it just broke my heart, you know, mm -hmm. that there's families like mine you know you'd still drive around the northwest and there's towns that have no real gospel witness at all mm. and yet you'll find you know the you know the cults in every one of them and so that's what god began to do i just i realized you know what this is a mission field and i believe that god kind of uniquely prepared me for this field now, I still would love to go to the mission field, don't get me wrong, <laughs> but <laughs> I got to do what God tells me to do, you know, yeah. and I and I know that this is where God's chosen to use me here in the Northwest, and, and it's been amazing just to see yeah. what God's done. And, and like you say, it is a mission field, and that's what, something that I find mm -hmm. that's common in, in among church planters is that awareness that we're, where we are, it... Uh, Sure, it's home, it's U.S., but it's it's definitely a mission field, and it's a needy area. Mm -hmm. It would make me wonder how many church planters I know, Brother Hoyseth and myself and, and uh, Brother Parrish. I mean, all of us, I know Brother Hoyseth felt called to the mission field at one point. Yeah. I felt called to the mission field at one point. I wonder how common that is among church planters, that missionary heart that just leads to mission fields in the U.S. Yeah. Well, I... I mean, I've talked to a lot of other church planners, and that almost always seems to be somewhat the case. Yeah. Mm. Um, I've had very few guys that I've talked to that haven't felt that, you know, that that isn't where it started. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Well, tell us, uh, tell us a little bit more. I'm sorry. Go ahead, brother Hoyseth. Oh, I was just going to ask: Is uh, the church in Kennewick is that? Is that number two for you, or how many how many churches has the Lord used you to get going? Well, it's it's number two that I personally have been the pastor and knew I was going to be the pastor there. We did start a church out of uh, in Grandview, Washington, while I was in Goldendale, that I knew I would never be able to pastor both of them at the same time, mm. and. Um, you know, but I did that for a year and a half. We'd go down there and have a, you know, a Sunday afternoon service. And we were, you know, we had that running up about 50. And then Brother Josh Carter came oh, yeah. and did a good job. He was there for about three and a half years. And then God led him to go back to Oklahoma. And then we took it back for a while, probably about eight months. And then um, before we got another pastor for the for the work there. Um but Kennewick is as far as me being there all the time this is my the second church well tell us a little bit about that church planting philosophy uh, about the idea of you're going to be planting multiple works did you know right away that was the plan or did was that something that just developed over time or was it you know just something that happened that the Lord moved you from one place to the next and you just wait on him well as far as as far as you know being a pastor of a church that starts churches to me I, I'd never have thought of anything else 
because to me i just i was taught that that's just the biblical pattern you yeah, know yeah that's what churches are supposed to do mm-hmm. now as far as myself being the guy to do it my goal was listen when i went to goldadale i went there to die there i didn't go yeah, there yeah. to leave mm-hmm. when i came to kennewick i came here i don't plan i didn't come here thinking five ten years down the road let me train somebody mm-hmm. you know I'd rather train somebody and send them. Yeah. Mm. I mean, but through through the church plant in Grandview and just kind of going through that learning curve, I began to realize that I don't believe every everyone is called to church planting. I, I think that it's a unique calling. I think that, um, well... You know, I know guys that are great pastors, but weren't necessarily great church planners. Yeah, they mm. struggled. They struggled. Yeah. you know, it was it was tough, a tough fit uh, for them. You know, so God began to work in my heart about that, and I, re- you know, listen, I had our Bible Institute in Goldendale. We had seven guys in there, and three of them called the pastor, and honestly, would do a phenomenal job were you know they were prepared but none of them would go hmm. and i was getting irritated i was like what in the world's <laughs> wrong with you guys all of you want to pastor this church but none of you want to go start one yeah but god and but god just began to work in my heart and said they're not they may not be church planners but you are yeah hmm. and this church is to a place where it will continue and you know uh, I I just knew that it wouldn't crumble if I left you know so Mm -hmm. that's you know God had to take me through all of that I didn't want to I wanted to stay there you know I miss it to this day but um, Mm -hmm. it's just you got to surrender to what God's telling you to do even if you don't necessarily like it all the time (laughs) and it's kind of a it's kind of a neat yet bittersweet thing when you realize praise the Lord this place doesn't need me and yeah, yeah no it is you're right and you're like mean, that stinks is. but that's awesome no you're exactly right i mean <laughs> it's <laughs> it really is i mean uh you know it's just like even with my with my kids you know raising my kids uh, right i loved having my children in my home yeah i miss it to this day we're empty nesters now yeah. and the best time of my life was when all my family with my kids were at home but I am thankful that you know they've grown to a place where I did I did a good enough job that they don't need me all the time. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's, yeah. A, that's a great. They know how to they know how to serve the Lord without me. Yeah, sure. You know, hmm. having been through this process now, you said this is your second church plant that you've participated in. <clears throat> Would you say that there's maybe just specific aspects of church planting that are repeatable? maybe uh, that you could help us out with uh, or is it just all totally unique and different for every church plant would you say well I think some things some things are similar but no doubt every one of them is unique I mean I've got a, a an old pastor in my church brother TJ Smith and he told me this a long time ago he said 
my experience is God's got to build a preacher before he can build a church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when I came to the Tri-Cities, I thought that had happened. Yeah. I thought, yeah. I thought I've been through this. I got mm-hmm. this. But it was very, I mean, he still had to, here's the thing. God had to prepare me to be able to do this here. And it is different. I mean, yeah. the culture is somewhat different. The people are a little different. It's a bigger town. Um, bottom line, God has, he already knows how he wants to build his church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The thing is, it takes sometimes a while for us to get on the same page that he's on and follow him, not yeah. our plan. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so in, it, in some ways, that's not repeatable. Now, here's one of the things that I think. I encourage guys that come that call me about the Northwest. I I'm just not the kind of guy that's gonna like put a finger on on the map and say this is where I'm going. Mm-hmm. I gotta have a Macedonian call. In other words, mm-hmm. God's gotta show me a people, a need, and it's gotta stick in my heart. In other words, I yeah. I don't I wouldn't just go to some place. Unless I really felt like God broke my heart for that place and I couldn't get it out of my heart. And that's exactly why I came here. I didn't want to come here. Yeah. But it just would not go away. And it's because of the people and the need. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. You know, so I think, you know, there's a connection some way. And I think a lot of times when there isn't that connection, sometimes it never connects. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, but if the connection's already there somewhat, you know, yeah, um, then it usually sticks. I mean, yeah. you know, and so anyway, that's kind of my how I look at that. What what types of things would you say are repeatable? Um, I would imagine things like um, the specifics of going through contacting people about finding a building, those types of practical things. Are there any things that you would say are repeatable? Well, again, first of all, I mean, if, if you've already got a connection, if, if, if God's already shown you a burden or a people or a, a family or because that's like Grandview. The reason I started that is because there were people driving all the way up. And there was no church for them there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, the Tri Cities was the same thing. I would counsel people. I, I grew up about forty miles from here, so I had family and friends, and I would come and counsel them. And God would start getting a hold of their hearts, but there wasn't really a church that I could plug them into. So, uh, so here they were, and so, um, you know, having that to me, that's repeatable. Yeah, yeah. You know, sure. You know, and then um, here's another thing I do. I don't start halfway. Right. I start from day one, full services. Yeah. I have Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Mm -hmm. if the building permits. And for me, that's the first thing I look for. I got to have a place to meet. Mm. You know, let's go find a place to meet that we can meet in and get that locked in and then start you know having services right away because here's the thing especially up here in the northwest folks oh they so would rather only go to church once a week yeah Mm -hmm. and i'm telling you 
I don't ever want to put that pattern in them, not even from day one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want them to realize you need this. You need every service we have. They're unique. They f- they'll fill mm-hmm. different voids in your life and in your family. And, and that ain't even enough. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so, and God's blessed that. I, I'm telling you, uh, he really has blessed that. And I, I think, think it's that's also a- important to, um, sorry, Brother Rosser. Go ahead. Um, I, I think it's important to show people that uh, we're serious. We're not just doing some kind of soft start to kind of test the waters and, and see how it goes. That once you're committed to it and you know God is in this, that, hey, we're here and we're going to, this is going to be a church. This isn't just some little Bible study or we'll, we'll see if somebody shows up. We're here and we believe the Lord's going to do a work. Yeah, I think that's important. I, you know, I think you also said something that was important. We talked about that connectivity. You know, sometimes we're, I've heard guys be in the habit of maybe even shaming somebody that's not going to a place that they consider to be as great of need. You know, they're planning a church in you know, Virginia or North Carolina or Tennessee. And well, you should go to Boston and you should go to uh, Seattle. Well, yeah, that we need church planners there, but most importantly, we need God called church planners to those places. Mm-hmm. And if God doesn't oh, call you to Seattle, don't go. And uh, to me, that's it's a mistake that we make sometimes when we try to shame people into going to a certain place instead of, you know, God knows what he's doing and mm-hmm. he'll call who he wants to call where he wants to call them. We just have to have an open heart ready to listen and do whatever he tells us, wherever it is. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. Uh, like last time we had uh, uh, Brother Michael Newberger, who's in Brooklyn, and he, he made a statement that, it, you know, there's just so many people. And when you go there and you see all these people, you can't help but have a burden for those people. Um, but having a burden for them is not the same as God saying, you're the guy yeah. uh, to, to yeah. go reach them. And I think that's very important for a prospective church planter to know you that you are the guy for that place, for that people. I think that goes back to what you guys were talking about earlier and feeling that call to missions in general. Of just it, it kind of worked on your heart at first for just missions in general, and then he specified that. He precisioned that into one location and said, this is where I need you. This is where I want you to be. Yeah. And you're going to need that when things get rough. If there's oh, any absolutely. question about the call, <laughs> right. I mean, you're mm-hmm. going to bail sure. if you don't oh, have totally. that call. Yeah. No, listen, God's got to make a pastor before he can build a church, and that's not always pleasant. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's painful <laughs> at times. Exactly. Yes. Oh. I, I heard one missionary say, you better be going with more than just a general burden because those people will tear your burden out and stomp on the ground with it, you know, and <laughs> <laughs> what are you left with? <laughs> yeah. You, you better know that God's in it. Yeah. 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 Well, and that, and again, I spent enough of my life before I started serving the Lord doing things in my impulsive, you know, listen, I want every mountain. That's my nature. Yeah. And I have just made a mess of things so often before that I've been real cautious with the things of God that I have to know, no. I mean, and here's how my son asked me one time, dad, how do you know the difference between a burden and a call? And I said, well, burdens will come and go they will they will grow faint 
sometimes if you know especially if you're you know you know the bible says the eye hath affected the heart and and out of sight out of mind somewhat but a call's not like that yeah you could not be there for years and it never goes out of your mind and your heart and you got to know you know that's that's the difference so i mean yeah the general burden thing i mean hey listen <laughs> we all ought to have a burden right right for souls in general yeah yeah that's but, sometimes you'll hear the statement you know well god's already given you a command why are you waiting for a call and that's great for ordinary witnessing but if you're talking about taking your family and going to a place and planning a church, you better have a call that matches the command. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, in my even before I went to Goldendale, my wife will follow me anywhere. I knew she would. She's an awesome lady. She loves me. But I know that the difference between her following me and her having peace with what God's doing in me. And I had to know that her heart was that she was with me yeah not not just following me yeah mm. and i had to have that i mean and it's you know every and and it's been the same every move we've made you know when i first was talking to her about grandview she says i don't even want to talk to you you're a crazy man i, I don't even want to hear you <laughs> mm -hmm. and i said no no just listen this is what god's i just want to share with you what i feel like god's telling me and by the end of that conversation she's wow that's awesome hmm. you know wow you better listen and when i have dumb ideas that are mine she doesn't do that <laughs> yeah praise the lord <laughs> she's like yeah you're crazy yeah yes, you still are still yeah. crazy <laughs> awesome. she keeps you from going after those mountains that uh, you're not meant to tackle right no that's right that's mm -hmm. right I mean, she is somewhat of an anchor in my life that way, and I very much need that. Sure. Well, take us back to, to Glendale for a moment. And you were talking a minute ago about um, coming to this awareness that this church is here now. It's functioning. If, you know, when the Lord takes me out of here, um, it's going to keep going, and another man can come in and take this to the next step. What, what were some of the signposts that you that you saw there that let you know this is going to be okay. I can step away from this and it's going to go on without me. What, what, what would, what would, what should a, a man look for if he senses the Lord is, is perhaps leading him to another step and look at the church and say, okay, here's what needs to be in place before this transition happens. Well, first thing is they, they were men of God in that. I mean, they were men. Yeah. Hmm. They were men that led their families these were men who were baptist not just because they love their preacher but because they know that that's the bible hmm. i mean and they're strong men that way you know um i mean that's you know that's the that's the main thing is is mm -hmm. listen you know if you don't if you have a church that doesn't have any men that lead Mm -hmm. You got a problem. Yeah. Mm. I mean, and unfortunately, I mean, you know, I'll be honest with you. I even cautioned my daughters and, my, you know, that, well, we sent Brother Cody. 
since I've been here in Kennewick, we sent him up to Tenasket to take a very small work, and it's in many ways a restart. And I told his wife, I said, you need to step back and, and, and let him grow through some of his mistakes because if you jump in every single time and try to overhelp him, you're going to create a church environment where men can't grow and you're going to create an environment where ladies will start ruling. Mm. And, and I just, I mean, it doesn't mean that you don't, but you need to be careful about that. You know, and I told my girls that just, I told them about me telling, you know, the Humborgs that, and, uh, my girls were convicted. I mean, mm. all of them were like, boom. Yeah. And, and we, I didn't realize it would hit them like that. I yeah. really didn't. It's just that we've got to, I cultivate men. I, I listen, I, I, mm-hmm. I deal with men. I, I invest in men and I expect them to be leaders and mm. I teach them how to be. And, um, would you, you say know, that's when, good advice for the for the church planter as well? You know, just like the wife can't jump in, the pastor can't jump in and solve or dictate all their problems and how to fix it. They oh, got, absolutely. Yeah. No, so Brother T.J. Wilder took the church in Goldendale. And listen, I love Brother T.J. He's done a phenomenal job. But I told him from the very beginning, God could use me in your life to help confirm some things but he hasn't put me in your life to direct everything yeah and I'm here for you but well brother Hardy told me that when I called him about TJ he said you know he's going to make some mistakes right yeah he says my question you know how brother Hardy is he turned it right back to me (laughs) I was asking him about TJ and he puts it right back on me he Uh says you know he's going to make some mistakes are you going to be able to handle that are you be, gonna be able to be okay with that? And you know he's kind of gonna have to make some, right? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't call TJ for two months. It scared me so bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I know it's true. You know. And as a pastor, sometimes you can use that position to step in and not allow guys in a young church plant to even make those mistakes. You know, as they are learning to grow and lead. And you, you make a dysfunctional culture if they are dependent upon you for every decision they make. No, that's right. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, TJ calls me, Cody calls me, uh, Lucas calls me. and but, but here's the thing. It's not like it's all the time. Yeah. And right. most of the time, I, I, I agree with what they're, our, God's already telling them. Mm-hmm. You know, once in a while I'll say, be careful about this but you'll know you know you'll know whether what I'm saying makes sense or not you know um, but uh, no it's it's an awesome thing privilege to be able to be a help to them but you know we gotta let God direct them yeah 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 mm-hmm. so speaking of transitions so let's say the church planner feels and and hopefully God is directing it, but he feels like he's taken this 
either he's taking this church as far as he feels like he can or he has another calling on his life that he has to go someplace else and he's planning a change what are some advices or advice that you could give for a guy to leave the right way so he leaves that church thriving instead of struggling you know with your bringing in a you know a, the next pastor or just having a smooth transition uh, as he leaves well that's my first my first my first goal is making sure that the church I'm pastoring at the front at the present is transitioned well before I ever go yeah that's me I, I just and honestly uh, it's amazing every time that kind of thing comes up there's offers there's all kinds of doors that seem to be opened and I just I just myself I love this flock I gotta know that they have a shepherd before I can leave this flock yeah yeah, yeah. and I gotta know that they're not scattered and, and, and fearful and uh, you know I gotta know that they're settled and have peace as well and that's a process you know I mean um, like the first thing I did in Goldendale is I shared with them what I felt God was calling me to do as far as coming to Kennewick and ask them to pray about it and I told them I said listen if y'all don't have peace about this then I'm not going I believe God will give you peace if, if he's God, if God's leading me in this I believe you'll know it yeah and so we took care of that and then I, and then I let them I let them digest on that a little bit mm-hmm. I said I'm not leaving you I don't know when God's timing is on this. I just felt like I have to be obedient and just bring, you know, share with you what I believe God's doing. Then God had put TJ on my heart. Hmm. And just it, it wasn't like I was looking either. It just, through a series of circumstances, you know, TJ had called me actually to ask if he could recommend me for another church that was needing a pastor. And I told him, no, I don't, I'm not going to candidate, you know. And then I asked him at the time, can you see God, you pastoring? I'm, cause I just could tell. I could tell he kind of mm-hmm. had a, he was getting that pastor's heart thing going. So anyway, uh, you know, then what we did is I had TJ come in. I didn't even tell him that God had put him on my heart. He came in and preached, and I knew it would be different because they'd heard him preach before. And sure enough every one of my men wow mm-hmm. man pastor that was i mean he's always we've always enjoyed his preaching but this was was wow it was way different and i was like yeah. you know i'm weeping i'm like <laughs> yeah because i'll be honest with you i didn't want it to be i wanted to stay there yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> i wanted him to reject this guy <laughs> so i could stay <laughs> but you know god was in it and then i set my men down and I said man I feel like that this is who God's put on my heart and you know we need to have him back you guys need to you know we need to interview him you need to hear from him and, mm-hmm. and see you know if God's not calling him here you don't want him here Yeah. And and so anyway it was a process now so we finally voted to have him be the pastor at my resignation now, I thought that was going to be six months down the road. 
Well, it became very evident to me, I mean immediately, that I was going to have to go because mm. the folks start guarding their heart because they know you're going to be leaving. Mm-hmm. It just started hindering the growth of the church. I could see it was creating more fear. Uh, and TJ, of course, was dying. He was, man, his heart was there. The thing is, is I didn't know exactly how I was going to go about my transition yet because I hadn't thought about what I'm doing yet, really. My main focus was on the church there in Goldville. So I just realized, man, I just got to go. So I did. And it was hard on me. It was hard on my, I mean, it was a hard thing for Trudy and I, but it was the right thing for the church. Yeah. And so then we came down here. We hadn't really invested a whole lot of, you know, uh, we hadn't put out a lot of feelers and whatnot. Uh, so I was thinking, you know, well, I'll raise a little support enough because it's going to be expensive to rent a building here. So I thought if I can raise, you know, a couple thousand dollars a month for the rental on a building, we can get going. Anyway, God just began to put it all together. Boom, boom, boom. People, people would see us at the grocery store. Hey, I heard you're going to start a church here. You know, when you are you having services? We want to come. I mean, just people weeping and stuff. Wow. It was awesome. Wow. And so anyway, our start date moved up four months. Hmm. Just because I feel like we were obedient to do it, to take good care of the church in Goldendale, leave it right. Mm-hmm. We're willing to do, get out of the way. And God put it all together in his timing real quick here. And it's been amazing. Yeah. I've, I've talked to several guys who that transition didn't go as quickly. And so they ended up feeling like they were stuck in that kind of lame duck situation. Oh, it's a bummer. And it's hard. Oh, totally. Yeah. And maybe, you know, that's that's one of those questions. Every situation is going to be unique, but you got to. Ultimately, it's got to be, the, you know, A, of course, your love for the Lord, but also the love for that flock that keeps you encouraged and not, you know, and not be discouraged. Even if your heart's somewhere else, that you got to you got to take care of those people till the day you walk out the door, even if it gets hard. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah. Huh. You kind of mentioned already the financial aspect of it, but out of curiosity, do you mind going into that just a little bit more for maybe one of our listeners out there who maybe that's a big hurdle for them that they're trying to uh, pray about and find peace over is the financial support. Did you have to go out and raise some more financial support? And uh, if you did, how did that look? You said some of it kind of carried over a little bit too, but how does that look for somebody moving on to a new church plant? Well, I mean, I have a unique situation, and I tell guys that. Sure. I mean, I'm a general contractor. I'm a pipe fitter. And I have stayed in the area within 200-mile radius of where I grew up, where I've worked my whole career. So, you know, I have an ability to make a living for my family in a very short, a few days. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And awesome. and I can pretty much pick my days. I mean, wow! I've been doing this for 32 years. So, I've, I mean, everybody in every plant in this whole valley knows me. Mm. And they want me any day they can have me. So, I mean, I've been blessed that way. So, I, my goal was raise enough financial support to take care of the church expenses to get started. 
Wow. Yeah. And I'll take care of my family. Now, I will say this. This has been a blessing to me to see. I believe today, if a, if a church planner wants to go on deputation, they can raise enough support to probably, you know, in, in some cases to get going and be full time right off the get go. And I'm all for that. It's just not a path that God's told me to go down. Sure. I just like, listen, I can take care of my family. I just got to go get, get started. Mm-hmm. Now, I get asked this a lot. I'm both, I've been bi- bivocational most my whole ministry. And I get asked this all the time. Uh, you know, I'm thinking about doing that. or And I always say this. I don't believe everybody is wired to do that. Yeah. Right. Listen, I don't sleep. I am, I mean, I'm a go, go, go guy all the time. It's just my nature. Um, you know, and I'm not, it's just how God's wired. So, sure. you know, but I know that some guys can't do that. Mm-hmm. And they shouldn't feel bad if they can't do what I'm doing. Likewise. I get criticized. I can't tell you how many times people light me up because, I mean, they'll even say stuff like, you know, when are you going to quit your job and learn how to pastor your church and things like this. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Whoa. Yeah, and I'm pastoring a flock three times the size of theirs when they're saying, you know, it's (laughs) kind of tough. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But but here's here's the deal. I don't expect everybody to understand my path. Right, yeah. And I'm careful not to judge everybody else's. I believe that they're somewhat unique. Yeah. And God uses all of us. Listen, <laughs> we all have our, you know, God uniquely uses us where we're at, and he grows us. And so I have a unique ministry that way. Would you mm-hmm. Would you uh, encourage, we, we've done this quite a bit, encourage potential church planners, okay, so maybe they're heading into Bible college or whatever, We've really talked about how valuable a trade is. And so if you can learn a trade, even if you're able to work full time, at least you can, you know, fall back on it if necessary, take care of your family. I don't think we promote that enough. You know, it used to be if you can do anything else besides pastor, do it. To me, that seems like a ridiculous statement because then you only have incompetence pastoring. Uh, But why not learn a trade when you're young? And if that pulls you away from the ministry, you didn't have a strong enough call anyway. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. And it no, gets you in the listen, community. Listen, I'm telling you, I lead more people to the Lord at work. Yeah. I mean, I got a, the guy that teaches, uh, him and his wife were our, uh, they went to junior camp counselors. They've done our patch club. They're doing Sunday school right now. He was an apprentice that came to work for me, and a year of me witnessing to him got saved. His whole family, I'm telling you, uh, you know, I'm a mentor not just when I'm in the pulpit. I'm a mentor every day. I mean, I've trained lots of guys in my trade, teach them how to be men. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I got young men in my church now that I've got them in trades. Hey, listen, you need to go apply to this apprenticeship. You need to get in this trade. Stay at it. You need to go to welding school. 
hey, you need to come over to my house and I'll teach you how to weld. Mm-hmm. Teach you some basics, you know. Um, I mean, we're just in a day where we got to teach people to be men, too. Yeah. That's another thing. Yeah. Hard yeah, work thing. makes men. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And can I just say that people respect, that, that gives you a level of respect that, man, it's hard to earn if you don't have that kind of a work ethic. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, my son-in-laws, I've told them the same thing. I mean, Chip, when he married Ashley, you know, he said he may want to go back to New York as a church planner one day. I said, well, here's the thing. You're going to need to trade. Yeah. Yeah. You're not right. going to be able to raise enough support to go there, most likely. Yeah. And, and so in my trade, I'm a welder pipe fitter, but there's plumbing. Now, every pipe fitter I know hates plumbing. Mm-hmm. I, I'm one of them. <laughs> it's kind However, of ironic with your last name, but. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> well, with, with, but here's the thing plumbing is everywhere yeah yeah pipe welding is more big industry yeah so it's not as versatile mm-hmm. so i told him you need to get your plumbing license you need to focus on that get refrigeration refrigeration's everywhere in the world you can, yeah. i don't care what planet you go you know, what country you go to there's going to be refrigeration Unless you go to where Brother Hoyseth's at. And then, <laughs> yeah. You need heating. Yeah, exactly. Step outside. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so true. Mike Rowe actually did a special on this. I, I, Of course, we don't stand behind everything Mike Rowe stands for. His theology what? is probably a little bit off, I guess. But um, he made some statements recently about blue-collar work in the United States of America, how for millennials especially it's on major decline because everyone wants to sit at a desk and earn six figures <laughs> but if everyone's doing that who's going to fix your air conditioner who's going to fix your car who's going to do those types of things so it's it's a necessary field of work but it's actually the the demand for that type of work is becoming much larger with this oh absolutely generation. we're in a, we're in a serious shortage of craftsmen mm-hmm. in the in in, the, in america yeah yeah you know and I'm just going to tell you, you know, again, as a first-generation Christian, my first pastor, the biggest struggle I had with connecting with him is that he, and this is how I used to think of it, he's just a church boy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's soft. Yeah, yeah. I'm just being honest. That That's just, as a, as a, as a 21-year-old roughneck, you know, I had to get past some of that. Hmm. Now, his love and compassion toward me and his wisdom in the word of God got me through all of that. But I know hmm. this. It's a problem for a lot of people. Yeah, sure. If they don't get past. Yeah. It's yeah. just for me. Where else can I go? I knew. I Listen, if I don't stay in church, I'm going to be in prison. So... I, to me, there's no option of leaving church. I had to be there every time. I don't care if I connect with the preacher all the way or not. I got to have this. Hmm. But I just see it a lot. That's really good insight. Um, That's good to hear. Yeah. Yeah, well, and and that idea of being all things to all men, you know, besides the fact, just being... being, being able to present that example of what a man is... Ultimately, a man is connected to his work. 
And, and yeah. yes, we have work within the Word of God. Most certainly, we want to we want to do that. But you still have to be able to communicate on a level that would be able to connect with the daily life of a real man. Sure. Mm-hmm. Well, and have the respect for what those men do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, probably the greatest compliment I feel like I've ever received as a pastor is uh, Brother Gary Prisk. He used to have me preach uh, a men's thing. And he introduced me this way. He said, Brother Plumley is a working man's pastor. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you something. I embrace that wholeheartedly. That's awesome. Because the truth of it is, every one of us is a working man's pastor. Right, mm-hmm. right, sure. Right. So um, I've seen them not have the respect for something as small as a power cord or a man's tools that he brought to church mm-hmm. and it got damaged or, or uh, you know, and just not have that understanding that, listen, that guy worked hard for that tool. That guy worked hard for, to, to ha- you know, for, I mean, that's his livelihood. Yeah. And to have that respect for it. And here's the thing. A lot of times, if you've never, ever sweated it out, out and had to go out there and dig some ditches, mm-hmm. you can tend to not understand yeah. yeah, or they walk into service on a Wednesday night in their work uniform. It has dust and dirt all over it, and you're bothered because they didn't get cleaned up. Well, they just made it to church from work. That should be a high compliment that they oh, made absolutely. it. Oh, yeah. absolutely. That's a glory yeah. to God is what Yeah, that that's is. exactly yeah. right. Or, or get frustrated because they're, uh, they're struggling to stay awake and to stay alert uh, on that yeah. Wednesday night service. And they're working shift work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, give me a break. Yeah, and and be quick to tell people, hey, you need to quit that job. You need to go get this kind of job. And I mean, a guy's put twenty years into that career. It's it's you know, I, just stuff like that. I mean, yeah. I can't overemphasize. We have got to respect the working man. And and try to you know, and here's the thing, I mean, we gotta we gotta work at it sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know. It's like law enforcement. I've pastored 13 law enforcement officers. And, you know, the jokes, you know, they sit around and eat donuts and they'll tease about it themselves. Yeah. But the truth of the matter is most people have no idea yep, right. what their families go through, uh, the wickedness that they face every day. I mean, it is a battle. And their attitude that reflects the battle they've been in. Because they will, they'll come in stoic. They'll come in short with people. Uh, you know, they can even get cynical. They can mm-hmm. get bitter. I mean, it's Distant. a constant thing where you've got to reel them back. You know, and and help them. Yeah, statistics are eighty percent of law enforcement are divorced, and it's just a you know if you if you've not walked in their shoes at all then you can mm-hmm. find yourself not only not understanding, but misrepresenting the truth of what they're actually going through. Yeah. No, I've told, I told Brother TJ, I said, listen, it's a great honor. It's a great honor to have this many police officers in this church. Yeah. I said, but I'm going to tell you right now, they're super hard to pastor. Yeah. Mm. Because they're very guarded. Mm-hmm. 
they'll get hurt and they won't want to talk about it. They get used to not talking about it. Um, some of them, it's just like, it was funny. I had three deacons. All of them were like a personality profile of the three classic. One of them's the cop that, you know, he gets frustrated. He wants to kill them all. <laughs> the other one gets so depressed. He's sick when he ain't sick. He just wants to slay in bed. The other one just wants to be busy. He's building something. He's got a project. Go, go, go. And you got to learn how to deal with all of those guys mm-hmm. where they're at. And and going and chewing them out about it <laughs> is probably not the best first course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think and, this is good stuff for, for every pastor to, to oh, yeah. think about, be reminded about these things. And, boy, for the church planter, just to kind of get this in your mind, that I think the these kind of lessons of, of respecting people, respecting their work, respecting their struggles, and, and not assuming that that you as the pastor are have the hardest job in the world, you know, yeah. <laughs> that other yeah. people oh, are struggling. Yeah. And the sooner you respect that and respect them, uh, those connections are going to open up a lot, lot more easily. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I in the times that I have been able to not work, you know, in Goldendale, I was to the place where I'd work about six months out of the year, the summer months, and then the winter, I'd, I'd, I'd just devote it to, to, to the work. I found myself forgetting. Yeah. Huh. And found myself getting frustrated with people more because I was loose in touch with where they were living every day. Mm-hmm. Good. And I've really disciplined myself now to try to never forget that to always kind of reel myself back and say hey listen you remember what it was like getting up at three o'clock in the morning and driving an hour and a half working a 10 hour day driving Mm -hmm. an hour and a half back not even get to eat dinner until after church service Mm -hmm. and your wife needs you and your kids need you and you know yeah because ministry as hard as it is can also be a bubble that we can be insulated from some things Mm-hmm. And it's easy to think that everybody lives in that bubble. And it goes the other way, too. Sometimes they don't understand what we go through. But it's not our job to make them understand us. It's our job to work hard to understand them. That's good. Yeah. 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 Well, Brother Plumley, you know, you've sent out some guys now. You've been out there yourself. You sent out some daughters now. And so I just want to open it up for you here. Um, what advice do you give just in a in an overarching sense, whenever you talk to a church planter who's getting started, who's heading out there, what what do you say? This is the, these are the critical pieces that you need to have across the board. Well, you got to know when God's talking to when God is when God's speaking to you and leading mm-hmm. you. You got to know that that's mm-hmm. what it is. You got to be sensitive to God's leading, yeah. and. You know, you've got to be on God's plan, not your plan. Yeah. Again, not, nothing wrong with planning. But my experience is this, is God rarely does anything the way I would do it. Right. You know. That's true. So I've got to be willing to change, shift gears, whatever I need to be, to be adaptable to what God's wanting me to do. And... You know, uh, so, you know, being sensitive to God's leading that way, you know, mm. um, that's important. 
Um, yeah. You know, and be faithful. Right. Yeah. Keep going. Mm-hmm. You know, and enjoy it. I mean, good night. Yes. I mean, enjoy it. Yeah. Enjoy the small stuff. I, I probably what makes me the saddest is when I hear a church planner or somebody that can't enjoy the small the, the days of small things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you. I love those days. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, I love going and visiting church planners that only have, you know, 10 people in service. I'm telling you, I get revival. Yeah. I love <laughs> Yeah. You know, uh, I still drive through towns and say, oh, man, let's, walk, let's go look at this building. Yeah. You know, and yes. my wife's like, why? I said, well, just because. Let me go look at this building. I go look <laughs> in the windows. Man, this would make a great church. No, yeah. honey, God might call you here. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so uh, I don't know, man. Being humble. Mm. Being humble. Uh, you know, and just know this. You know, be at peace with God. I, I think too many times we, we I mean, I, this is really a strong strength of mine. I really don't get too shook up about what people, other people think. Yeah, amen. I really don't. But it still affects me some. Hmm. It, it does, you know. Uh, and I know that being that's a strength of mine, if that's a weakness of yours... It's going to be a problem. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Because you, you guys know as well as I do, ministry, period, you're always having somebody is always upset with you. Yeah. Somebody always is. You're, you're, let, you're not doing something right all the time. Yep. So you got to have enough rhino hide on you that you know you're doing what God wants you to do, whether they like it or not. And that doesn't mean you, here's the thing, because if you don't have that, you're going to get bitter toward people and you're going to start taking it right. out on people. And man, it's toxic. It is mm-hmm. toxic. It'll kill a church faster. It'll kill a ministry faster than anything. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, Pastor Adam Wilder, who's down here in Florida, he said something the other day. He said, "I think a lot of guys are looking for a church in a box. You know, if I have all the right things, then this will work. But that's just not the way it works. No, it's ultimately being able to deal with trust the Lord, hear from Him, and deal with people." It's not about all those, you know, accessories and amenities. You may have the perfect situation, free building, you know, you know, full-time support. That doesn't mean it's going to work. No, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's totally right. Hey, I wish I had a building. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but we got a church. Yeah, amen. That's right. Yeah. Well, thank you, Brother Plumley, for coming on and spending some time with us today. And thank you to our listeners for joining us as well. We hope and pray that this episode has been a help and encouragement to you. To learn more about us or to contact us, you can visit us on Facebook or check out our website, churchplanertalks.com. You can also email us directly, churchplanertalks at gmail.com. So for Pastor Rossiter, Pastor Hoyseth, and Pastor Plumley, this is Corey Estep saying goodbye, and God bless you and your church planning endeavors. <laughs>